0: You may open in your Bibles to Luke 131, and uh, as Pastor Andy lets you know, this is the first Sunday uh, in what we call the Advent uh, season. Advent means that Jesus got here, um, he uh, came, uh, the nativity is, means birth, and uh, that God put on flesh and was born among us. And so, uh, I'm going to do a series on the names of Christ. Um, and then must <laughs> Christmas. Uh, what are some names associated with that? And so we're gonna see that in Isaiah 9, 6, but you can you can hang right here for a second. In Luke 1 and verse 31 is when the angel has appeared to Mary, and in verse 31 the angel says, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And so the angel told Mary what to name her son, and We'll, uh, we'll get to that later in this uh, short series leading up to Christmas, but the main text for today uh, comes out of Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, so if you want to keep a finger there in, in Luke, you can, um, even though I'm not going to return to Luke this morning, but Isaiah 9, 6 uh, is a prophecy of the coming of the Messiah, of the Christ, and it says this in Isaiah 9, 6, for unto us... a child is born to us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulders and his name shall be called wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father prince of peace so we're going to spend the next few weeks looking at these names of christmas these names of uh who the christ would be and and part of what he does you know uh and here's here's what i want you to take home with you today just to uh, let you know as, and that is this the words we use have meaning. I, I would even change that this morning to say the names we use have meaning. I've always liked names. When I, when I uh, am in line at any store, I hope they're wearing their name tag. And uh, I, I'm okay with phonics, so usually I can guess right if it's an unusual name. Or I'll just ask them, do you pronounce that this way or this way? And uh, sometimes they go, wow, nobody's ever got that right. Or sometimes they say, oh, thanks for asking. People like to be called by their name. And, and, uh, and, and I think names are important. I love my name. It's, I don't know if that's what kind of generated it. My my first name is not Stewart, even though I go by Pastor Stewart. It's Randolph, and uh, sometimes that gets snickers. Sometimes it doesn't. All three of my names are Scottish last names. Nobody did that on purpose. It just happened. My dad's name was Randolph. We have a different middle name, and Mama didn't want me and he and I to be getting confused all the time, so she calls me by my middle name, which is her maiden name. Now, that was a lot, wasn't it? But Randolph has a a really strong meaning. I grew up, and I found out that it means shield wolf. Now, you go, what? Well, it's Celtic, and it's a legendary shield. that had an image of a wolf on it, and it was considered that no sword or arrow or lance could penetrate or break that shield taking up the shield of faith by which we quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. So my name, Randolph, means shield wolf. Stuart means keeper of the Lord's possessions or keeper of the king's possessions. The Stuart family were the stewards of the king in Scotland until one day they, the king never showed up, so they took over. I guess I don't know how that worked. And so our name got changed from a D to a T, and so I'm Stuart, but the same meaning. My wife's name Janice means God's gracious gift, which she is. And uh, our children's names don't mean as much technically that way. But my mother, my grandmother was born on Paris Island in South Carolina. She married a Marine from Kentucky named John Stewart. Moved to Savannah. And when I was a kid, I thought, man, it'd be cool to name a girl Savannah. And that was before movies and books that saw that. And so I never said that to Janice. And she was expecting... Uh, Savannah, our first daughter, our first child, and went home to see her mom in Brunswick, Georgia, and drove back and came under the sign Savannah, Georgia, and said, Savannah, Savannah Lee. That'd be a great name. And she walked in the house, several months showing already, and said, What would you think if this was a girl we named her Savannah Lee? I went, Done, right there. Never even talked about it. And so it had meaning to us. Lee is a middle name Janice carries, her mom carries, her mom's dad carries. Her granddad's dad carried. So it's gone through. And so Savannah Lee is carrying that on. My sister's name was Ruth. So Cameron, it's got a meaning, but it's just we wanted to give her a Celtic name. And then Ruth is my sister's name. My son, Ian Stewart. Ian is the Gaelic. For John, which is the masculine from the feminine, Janice. Or Janice is the feminine from the masculine, John. My grandfather was John Stewart. My son is Ian or Jan in Gaelic. Jan Stewart. McCarter. So, I've always been thrilled with names. You know the Native Americans here, names meant something. And when a child was born, some tribes, they would never give them a name, but some would just name them the first thing they saw, like flying eagle, sitting bull. You get it? And then as they grew, how they acted in life and their personality, they'd give them that name. If you ever read James Fenimore Cooper's uh, series, uh, the leather stocking tails, he wore leather stocking so the Indians called him that he was a, a they called him deer slayer because he had never killed any a man and never killed a man in battle so it was actually a, deri- a derivation name on him that he was only, he could only kill deer he was a deer slayer but then they saw him make these spectacular shots and he became Hawkeye to the Native Americans they would change your name as your personality changed in the Bible we see names are very important have you noticed that Call him this because, like Jacob, the the one who would steal from his brother Isaac, and then God changed his name to Israel. Your name is Peter, Simon, but I'm going to call you Peter, the rock. Your name was Abram, and now it's Abraham. And God has importance in names. And so when we come to this and, and we think about these names that God uses, I think they are they become important because indeed these names have meaning. And so, in the first name here we see in Isaiah 9 6, it's Wonderful Counselor. And you put those two things together, I'm gonna pull them apart and then put them back together. The word wonderful, guess what? In the, in the Hebrew means a miracle. It's, it's an amazing event, it's something unusual that happened. It's a marvelous thing, it's a wonder. Anything that was amazing, you go, wow, that's wonderful. It meant amazing and, and, and really beautiful. But that word is a, is a root word that comes from another root word that means to separate or to distinguish. In other words, it's wonderful, and this is how you and I would say it, that's a one-of-a-kind. And we use that term sometimes when it's not really true. No, there's another one like that. But when it's applied to Jesus, don't you believe that he is wonderful that he's a one of a kind. That's what it says in John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one of a kind son. That's what that word that we translate begotten in that text in that spot means. That God loved us so much that he gave his one of a kind son. That whoever believed in him would not perish but have eternal life. You know there are some people that believe that you can be saved and then lose your salvation and get saved again. So I always just use John three sixteen. It's a real easy argument. God so loved the world that he gave his one-of-a-kind son that whoever believed in him could have temporary life. No, everlasting life. He doesn't give it and take it back. He gives it and he keeps it. We were singing that in, in that hymn this morning as we sang that by his ability, by his merit, we go to him. We approach his throne because Jesus came and visited us. His name has a meaning. Wonderful. He's a miracle. He's a miracle worker. He's a marvelous thing. He is a wonder. He is separated from all of creation because he created creation. He spoke and it came out. And we see in Colossians it says, All things were created by him and without him nothing that was created was made. But And then by the power of his word he holds it all together. He is a wonder. He is amazing. And then it goes to the word counselor. And that means to advise or to resolve. You go to a counselor to give you some advice to what? Resolve a problem, right? Now, not every problem is resolved easily, but the counselor is there not only to make you feel good, but to help resolve the issue, resolve the problem. And so there's advice given, but it also means to resolve. And so to give counsel or a counselor. But listen to this. It goes on. There are other nuances of that word to determine to know what's wrong. You ever know something was wrong but you just did not know what it was? You know what I'm talking about? Y'all can answer back. Where you know you're just like I just don't feel right. Something's not right. And sometimes you're like I don't know what's wrong with me. I need to talk to somebody. You may call your friend. You may call your parent. You may call uh, a, a sibling or something and say. Man, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm just, you know, and then you talk it out and pretty soon you kind of figure it out or you feel better. Well, a counselor, a good counselor, figures out what's wrong with you and helps you resolve that issue. Uh, Not only that, they can devise. They can help figure out a process. They can guide you through it. They can give you a purpose. All of these things describe Jesus, don't they? that he knows our problem, he knows our need, he knows the answer to our need, and he devised that answer, but then he did it for us by going to a cross. Amen? He indeed is a -a one-of-a-kind, amazing, miracle-working counselor, one who knows our issues, and we can take our needs to him, and what does he do? He helps us, He, he fills our life so when you put them back together you've got a miracle working specially appointed advisor and resolver of the conflict between God and man sometimes we don't catch this that God is mad at us you see we think of man being mad at God that's like an ant being mad at an elephant for stepping on his ant mound we're just going and the elephant doesn't even know we're yelling at him right I didn't mean to make that sound. I don't know why it came out like that. but Just trying to sound like an ant. I don't know what an ant sounds like. Never heard one talk. <laughs> but anyway. So, you know, we are a lesser. Than, God doesn't have to listen to us. Yet he does. And and God, though, is angry at man. He's angry at the sin of man that we would dare rebel against a holy God who made a universe for our enjoyment, who placed us in a garden where we all we had to do was keep the garden. But no weeds are growing temperature climate is always perfect things just grew because the earth was like a hot house all he had to do was hang out make sure it didn't get out of control pick the fruit eat it and enjoy it and what did he do he went did the one thing he wasn't supposed to do he had one job don't eat of that tree and he did and man in his arrogance rebels against a gracious loving god like that and god turns his back because he's too pure to look upon sin But even in the garden in Genesis 3.15, God gave the hint that he would solve the problem. He said to the devil, I'm going to put enmity between your seed and her seed. And adults in here know that women don't carry seed. That's the job of the male. And so what was he talking about? He's talking about a virgin would conceive. Also in this text, a virgin would conceive and bear a son. And this would be... His name. And so, this miracle worker and specially appointed advisor and resolver of the conflict between God and man, and Jesus stood between us. I'll show you a verse that says that in just a second. And then, that the Christ would be the one that stood between God and man. When we say Jesus Christ, Christ is not his name, it's his title. Christ is the one who is between God and man and satisfied God's righteous requirement to make us a new creation christ is the one that only one who could because he was all god and all man all at the same time when he was just god he couldn't die for our sin because he was god he had to put on an earth suit a body and become a man but why was jesus so unique because he was not born in the sin of adam his father was god he was born as adam was perfect and sinless and he had the opportunity to lose that perfection, but if he did, God would have sinned, and all things would, there is no imagination can imagine what would have happened if that had happened. But Jesus passed the test. He passed the test in the wilderness after fasting for 40 days, and Satan showed up, and just as God, as the Satan had said to Adam, hey, Look at the tree. That fruit looks like it would be really good for you if you ate it. Satan came to Jesus and said, Hungry? Hadn't eaten in 40 days? Why, look, there's a McDonald's right there. All you got to do is talk to those stones and turn them into bread. And Jesus said, God said, You man doesn't live by bread. He lives by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And Satan says, Oh, really? Okay. Well, how about this? Why don't you uh, come with me and look, here are all the nations of the world, and all you've got to do is worship me, and I'll give them to you. Satan said to Eve, hey, did God tell you you couldn't eat any of the fruit? He said, no, just not that one. And he said, oh, he don't want you to eat that, because in the day you eat it, you'll know good from evil, and you'll be just like God. And so Jesus had the same temptation. If you'll just worship me, I'll, I'll give it all back to you. And Jesus said, the Bible says to only worship God, and I'm not going to worship you. He said, fine, come with me up to the top of the temple. Jump off, and when you come floating down, everybody will know that you're the Messiah. Jesus said, no thanks, I'll take the stairs, because you don't tempt the Lord your God. I'm not going to tempt him to do that. What did Satan say to Eve, it looks good, the lust of the eyes, when Jesus saw the kingdoms, it'll taste good, the lust of the flesh, you're hungry, and the pride of life, you'll know good from evil. You'll be like God, and everybody will know you're God. Jesus said, no, they're going to have to know that by faith. And walked away, and Jesus passed the same test that Adam failed. And was made perfect, and died on the cross as a man for you and me. Amen? Amen. And so Jesus is that wonderful counselor he he's unique but he knows our need because he was the one there in heaven and he knows the need and he says and this was the plan the bible says from before the foundation of the world that he would come and die on a cross for our sin he would be the one that that would come let me give you the text of those two verses that that i was talking about one is found in first timothy chapter two verses five and six. First timothy chapter two verses five and six and it says It says there, let me pick it up so I can get it closer to my eyes. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. Jesus is that mediator. The God man is the mediator. The other verse I would want you to see is Romans 8, 1, where it says this, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There, that Because of what Jesus did, man is no longer condemned, but he can have salvation. He can be free from sin. Now, I, I want to ask you a question. Do you think Joseph and Mary needed that? Oh, I, I guarantee you Joseph and Mary needed that. Joseph and Mary needed a miracle worker, working bringer of peace. Because once God invaded their life, their life was never going to be at peace again. They needed a Savior. And so Joseph, who was troubled when he found out his fiancée with whom he had never had an improper relationship, when he found out she was with child, he was going to step away. We find all this in Matthew. And, And God came to him in a vision and revealed himself to Joseph in a miraculous way and said, Joseph, don't worry about the problem. I got the solution. It's already taken care of. And he acted as a counselor to Joseph to say, "It's all right. Don't be afraid to take Mary, your wife. How about Mary, an innocent little girl, young, 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 young uh, woman, very young woman? And suddenly, and never having done anything wrong, she finds herself with child. Now, how do you explain that? You, you go to your parents, go, hey, I'm going to have a baby. Jo- you and Joseph, no, not Joseph. <gasps> oh my gosh, who? What have you been doing? Nothing. I promise. I promise. I'm fine. I'm pure." Didn't do anything. This is God's baby. (laughs) Right. So she went to visit her cousin, Elizabeth, who was about to give birth to John the Baptist. And they spoke of the things of God together. And God gave her comfort and counsel to know, I got this handled, Mary. I'm taking care of it. The angel said, you are blessed among women and you're going to carry this baby. But they both suffered because they knew the will of God and walked in it. They both were going to have trouble, and their whole life they needed to know that that wonderful counselor was who he said he was going to be because Joseph's reputation was ruined. Mary's reputation was ruined. They were looked down upon for the rest of their lives, and yet they obeyed God anyway. Mary said to the angel who visited her, Be it done to the handmaiden of the Lord, as you have said. Later on, at Jesus' first miracle cana Cana, Galilee. After Jesus looked down and said, Woman, what do I have to do with you? My time has not yet come. She turns around to the servant and says, whatever he says, do that. That was the byword of Mary's life. Whatever God says, do it. And she did not care about the consequences of following the will of God. Sometimes we're afraid to follow the will of God. Last Tuesday, we, we went to visit uh, my daughter in South Carolina this week, and, and uh, other relatives showed up. We had a good time at Thanksgiving. But I had a daughter's appointment early Tuesday morning, and and uh, uh, Janice got off work to go with me. Um, some tests had shown some funny stuff. So she wanted to be there, hear what they said about it. I'm okay. Uh, so far, verdict still that I'm not going to die anytime soon by diabetes. So that's good. And, uh, but anyway, uh, I'm checking back out. And I had just thrown on a jacket. And I forgot I had a pin on that jacket. It has two question marks on it. If you've ever, if you're socia- if you've ever heard of Evangelism Explosion or EE, uh, that's the kind of the thing about it. It's got two questions, and so I, I just I'd thrown it on that jacket, went out. I'd even forgot it was on the jacket, and I was checking back out, and the lady behind the desk looked at me and said, "What's that question mark for?" Oh, oh, okay. Uh, I forgot I was wearing it, and I had to really quickly in my mind, and I, I said what I usually say. Thankfully, my brain went into gear. And I said, I will tell you. I said, actually, it's two question marks. Held it where she could see it. I said, and I'll tell you what they stand for if you promise to answer. She said, okay, I'll answer them. I said, all right, here's the first question. Have you come to a place in your spiritual life where you know for certain if you were to die, you'd go to heaven? She said, I sure have. I said, okay, well, here's the second question. If you were to die... God forbid, I don't want you to die right now, but if you were to die and you stood before a holy God and he looked at you and said, Why would you let me into, why would I let you into my heaven? What would you say? What's your answer? The wonderful counselor is the one who provides that answer. He's the one who brings that answer. Thankfully, she told me the only right answer you can give to that question. And I told her, That's the only right answer. That was awesome. Thank you. And uh, I, I was glad she called me. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Got to witness there for for a second. But she was saying, I was so glad to know that, that she knew the Lord. But because Jesus came, he, he came and he's done something extra for us. If you've got your Bible in your hand, look at John chapter 14 real quickly with me. Remember, this is wonderful counselor. All right. And so... Jesus could be called our counselor, and I don't think it's a stretch to say a good counselor can be a comfort, would you? I I hope not. I I don't want to twist this too much, but look at John 14 and verse 16. I'll start in 15. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another. Now, my version says helper. King James says comforter. Guess what the word means? The word is one who is, draws alongside us and he stays with us. That wonderful counselor is the very presence of God with us. We know him as the Holy Spirit, but he is the one who is with us who is also a wonderful counselor because he is God. With us. And it, that's in verse 16. But if you uh, look down uh, to verse 26 in the same chapter, John 14 16, I'll send you another comforter or helper to be with you forever. In verse 26, but the comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Did you notice what he says? Look at that verse again just for a minute. But this comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. Do you see the Trinity there? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You see their roles. The Father is the authority. Jesus is the doer, the one who accomplishes things the will of God, but the Spirit is the one that empowers the work of God that Jesus is doing, that the Father wants done, that you and I do. He is the one that lives with us. He's the completer. That wonderful counselor has not gone to heaven, and we got to wait for him. Jesus came, showed us that he is a wonderful counselor, and said, I'm going to send another one like me that will stay with you to the end of time. When you and I go through this life, the wonderful counselor Jesus gave us another comforter to enable us to walk in his ways, to live his life, to be a witness. When somebody asks you, what does that mean? Do you go to that church? Hey, I'm wondering, what is the meaning of life? Oh, I know what it is, to know God and love him forever, serve him forever. Let me tell you how you can get in on that. This wonderful counselor was sent in the name of Jesus. The Father will send in my name. In Acts chapter 2, I think it's verse 30 or 33. He said the Bible says having accomplished the will of God that Jesus poured out on the church there in Acts 2, that which was promised because he did the will of God. The Holy Spirit was given to Christ to give to us because he did the work on the cross, in the grave, raised from the dead. And you and I now because Jesus is a wonderful counselor, he's given us a presence the counselor to be with us. We have the word of God which is light to our path. But we also have a presence in the darkness. When we walk in the valley of the shadow of death we fear no evil. Why? Because he goes with us. Who is that? The Holy Spirit is with us at all times. Even in the valley of the shadow of death. Even when nothing's going right in our life. When there's sickness. When there's, when there's problems. When there's money. When there's government. When everything is falling apart. The comforter is with us. We have a wonderful counselor, and guess what? Nobody's getting out of this alive, so anything you face here is temporary, right? And it'll be over one day, and you will not at all even remember the pain of this life. But God will make sure you remember all the good things you did for him in this life. And so we ought to serve Christ today because he is a wonderful counselor he gave that counsel to Joseph and Mary and they said yes to the will of God so that Jesus could be born and live a life to die for my sins for your sins And in dying for us and rising from the dead, he's able to give us the Holy Spirit so that we can walk through this life with his presence with us to help us understand his words. He said he'll remind you of what I taught. He'll explain it to you. He'll help you to know what way to walk and then you can walk in his word and his ways because he's a wonderful counselor. Well, what can you do about that this week? Well, here's some suggestions. As we enter this season of celebrating the birth of Christ how will you guard the world's view, the, the world's view from stealing away your worship? I didn't write that in a way I could understand it. How will you guard yourself? Because the world wants to take away what Christmas means, that the wonderful counselor has come. How will you guard your heart, your mind, your family? Not to say you can't enjoy some of the other man-made trappings of the season, That not that but how do you keep the main thing the main thing that the counselor has come the wonderful counselor has shown up secondly and I asked a question for you only you can answer that since only Christ can resolve our deepest needs what is it in your life you need to trust him with He's the one who knows what your need is. He knows the solution. He knows the path through. He's a unique counselor because he made you. He lives with you. He knows every detail of your life. He knows stuff your wife doesn't know. He knows stuff your husband doesn't know. He knows stuff your parents don't know. He knows stuff your best friend doesn't know. And guess what? He knows stuff you don't know. Because our heart is deceitful, desperately wicked, and deceitful above all things. Who can know it? You don't even know your own heart, but he knows it. And he has a solution, so What is it that you know of that you need to trust Him with? And the more you trust Him, the more you give to Him, the more you walk with Him, the freer you become and the more He's able to even show you more things so that you can be even freer and be filled with the Spirit. And then I would just encourage you that as you enter this season, as we remember the Lord's birth, you commit yourself to His holy name of Wonderful Counselor. Listen, every day when you go out, you will run into people who need a wonderful counselor. And here's a secret that you may not know. Everybody sitting in this room needs a wonderful counselor. Everybody hears this uh, online needs a wonderful counselor. There's none of us who do not daily need his counsel. From the time we are conscious in the morning to the time we go to sleep at night, we need to be consciously aware that he is with us to guide us, to help us, to teach us, to lead us. And so I pray that you'll commit yourself to Jesus, especially in the name of a wonderful counselor for you, that you'll open your life to him, that you can too can be saved. Father, I just thank you in Jesus' name for the wonderful counselor who came at Bethlehem, who lived that perfect life, died that vicarious death for us, and then rose again on the third day, according to Romans one, to show that He is the Son of God. Lord, it's it, it's, it's amazing to us because we look back at it that the people who need Jesus had to be convinced He was Son of God. We we think that He was so different looking that everybody knew there was something there, but the Bible tells us in Isaiah that. He was so normal nobody would have noticed him except the power of God rested on him and those who met him could not forget him. He changed the life of everyone he ever met. He is the fork in the road and we either go with him on the narrow way to heaven or we go away from him on an easier road but a road that leads to destruction. And so God I pray that as you set us at the fork of the road in front of the person, Jesus, that we would see that he is a wonderful counselor, that he is this unique, miracle-working person who knows our deepest need and has the solution for us and wants to apply it to our life if we would just let you. And so, Lord Jesus, we ask, as you pour out the Holy Spirit on us, we ask, Lord holy spirit that you would show us jesus that you would teach us about jesus and that the father would be glorified in our lives we thank you god father son and holy spirit for what you have done and as we launch into this season we're going to get busy with a lot of stuff that won't matter in eternity it'll it'll be fun here it'll bring joy here but lord may we be focused on that which will matter in eternity and be ready to share the hope that lies within us.